Hey there. Hey there. How are you? All right, how are you? I'm well. Perfect shirt. Come on in. Uh, well, there you go. Hey, Hi, I'm James. I'm Mika. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is uh, Bailey. Oh, yeah. Hi, Bailey. <laughs> Say hello. That's right. <laughs> Very good cat. How are you? Doing well. I like your, uh, your Chevy in the driveway. Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I am your host, James DePietro. From Pasadena, California, this is a show about building a community for all and how we make our neighborhoods our home. On this episode, I am proud to welcome two very special friends, Mika Larson and Russell Mark from The Next Doors. They need no real introduction as their music has graced this show since the summer and I was overjoyed to use their song, All Right Here, as my bump music. Mika hails from outside Minneapolis and took up the cello at age six. Music took her from Minnesota to the Manhattan School of Music. While teaching there, she joined a rock band, and I'll let her tell the story. She is also an accomplished photographer, shooting everything from portraits and weddings to real estate and she just recently opened up her own studio in Monrovia. Russell is from Tucson, and like Mika, is also the fifth child. Enjoying the outdoor life of Arizona, he was drawn to music, and inspired by the likes of guitarist Robbie Krieger and keyboardist Ray Manzarek from The Doors. As you'll hear from Russell's music and his voice, the late great Tom Petty was also an important influence to the man from the old Pueblo. An internship at the recording studio while studying at the University of Arizona played an important role in Russell's life and career. In addition to playing music, he also makes it at his boutique production company, High Wheel Entertainment. Mika and Russell found each other in Silver Lake, and it was in that strange little corner of Los Angeles that they were inspired to create their duo, The Next Doors. In 2022, Mika and Russell released an eight-song album called Linda Vista. It is a tribute to the area, but also Russell's late sister, who is also one of their biggest supporters. The album is defined as Americana, and we get into that definition in the episode. This was a special episode for many reasons, but primarily because I got to meet two wonderful people in person whose music I've enjoyed and keeps fueling this show. So without further delay, my conversation with Mika and Russell from The Next Doors. Mika and Russell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. To get us started, can you tell us where we are right now? We're in our home here in East Pasadena, and specifically we're in my home recording studio, which I've worked out of for many years, seven years now, or eight almost, in Pasadena. And it's where we've recorded all of our material, and I also record artists that I work with here. Mika, I know you're from Minneapolis. That's right. And then, Russell, you're from Tucson. We were were talking about that before we started recording. Tell tell me a little bit about your backgrounds. Minneapolis is a more interesting place, so you start. I I grew up actually in a suburb just north of Minneapolis, and I started playing cello when I was six. Everyone in our family had to learn to play an instrument. My parents just thought it was important to do that, have a little bit of experience. But I was the only one that really enjoyed it and stuck with it. 
So a few times a week, we would get in the car, we would drive downtown Minneapolis, where all the better music schools were, and I would have some lessons. And actually, it's similar in that we're both from big families. A lot of, We're both child number five. She's five of five. Oh. I'm five of six. I had a lot of older siblings who also all had lessons and didn't take to it. So by the time I came around, my mom just said, forget about it. And that's why I gravitated immediately to the piano and actually and actually took it up without having been forced to do so. And maybe that was the secret. But Tucson was great for hiking and outdoorsy stuff and not necessarily that much else. So it was good to have music in high school. That's how I spent my time. If I wasn't out hiking or, or doing something like that, I was with my bandmates making music. It's funny because I have four kids at home and three of them started piano just in the last two weeks. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how this all works out. Yeah. But yeah, it's a fun experience to introduce music to kids. Yeah, Definitely. and like it doesn't matter if the odds of them, you know, taking to it and then sticking with it and then becoming professionals are not very good, but it doesn't matter. It's just the same as any other thing that expands your your mind a little bit. But if we had children, I would probably want them to do the same thing, take up music just for a little while anyways to have that experience. Yeah. To understand how to read a sheet of music or how notes work and all that kind of stuff. It's good to, to learn even if, like you said, right. you don't use it in the future. Yep. An appreciation, too, that I think... If you're not exposed to it, you don't get always. Absolutely. Based on your careers in music and the arts, who are some important mentors for you? And this could be an academic, music, etc. No one in my family is musical in any way, so I didn't have a lot of mentorship there per se. But again, being the younger child, uh, certainly the musical tastes of all my older siblings bled, bled off on me and my just love of, of music in general and listening. At first, when I was just picking things up on my own, my piano teacher mentor was pretty much Raymond Zarek from The Doors, just listening to him play and try and imitate it. And, and I would say the same with Robbie Krieger on guitar when I took that up. And then just in terms of creativity in general, I had a lot of great teachers in school who really encouraged me, including my English and social studies teacher in freshman year of high school, Mr. Elmer, who allowed me and my friends to do a Instead of doing a book report on Dante, he allowed us to make a full-on two-cassette musical journey through hell that we were permitted to turn in basically six months late. And that, if it wasn't for that, we never would have formed a band, and who knows what would have happened from there. And as far as my mentors go, I would just say growing up, living in a household where everyone was playing music all the time, my father traveled a lot to different countries, and he would very often bring home an instrument from that other country. So it was just always interesting to have something going on at home. But then also just my cello teacher, I guess, <laughs> the one who I saw every week. She was very inspiring. And then also my closest sibling would be my brother, who is 10 years older than me. But as far as rock music goes, he would be motivating me to try different bands out. We would go to the all-age shows. So I, his influences rubbed off on me, I think, a little bit. Mika, you went to the uh, Manhattan School of Music, and both of you have been in music for decades. What did you want to do as a career, or was music always a part of the plan? Music was always a part of the plan. Ever since I was uh, a junior in high school, when I had to make a decision, it was time to either audition for these music schools or go to a regular school for something else. So I think that was when I made my mind up to do music as a career. No, it was not my plan at all. But I realized freshman year of college that just I was not 
that what I what my plan was not going to do it for me. So I decided to go ahead and and switch my major and got involved with uh, interning at the recording studio at the University of Arizona, which is which was incredible, and and the house engineer there was incredible and also a great mentor. And yeah, went from there. Figured that's. It, but it was not what I had expected. No, I was going to be a veterinarian. So <laughs> everything turned out well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if you're not a veterinarian, Mika. So after studying classical music, you shifted gears and joined a rock band. Is that correct? That is yes. So what was the rock band? So this was in New York City. It was a band called Channeling Owen, and I don't know. Some one day they've decided they wanted a cellist in the band. So they called different music schools. I wasn't even looking to do this, but they called different music schools, and I happened to be teaching at one of them. And they left a note message for me, give them a call. And so I right away joined. It was something that I always thought would be fun. I was already teaching some of my students little rock songs and stuff, the, the teenagers who maybe weren't as interested in playing classical music. So, yeah, so it wasn't that much of a leap either. It was just something I thought would always be fun to do, and the opportunity came up. So what years were those? What that was, was that? 1998. Okay. Because it's an interesting time. I was thinking back on what I was listening to. I'm 43 now. So I came of age in the early 90s, early 2000s. And so I was thinking of, like, Yellow Card and a couple of other pop-punk bands that incorporated strings into their music, mm. which is an interesting time to hear that kind of come and go, it seems mm-hmm. like. But it's interesting to add that element to a rock kind of platform. And the way we did it actually was that I took the place of the electric guitar more often than not. I would take all the solos. I played through distortion pedals. I was playing standing up, full-on rock. So it was fun. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. So when you moved to Los Angeles, you became a photographer. So you shifted gears a little bit. I did. It was always a hobby of mine. My dad was actually a photographer, so I grew up with that, with him. Whether he had clients, he was doing weddings, portraits, but if he didn't have a client, he would drag me outside to the backyard to just take pictures of me. So (laughs) I grew up with that all the time, but it was definitely interesting to me. I thought maybe I would want to try it out, and I guess at some point I decided to give it a go. We were talking about this before we started recording that you were just at a conference. How has your kind of skills and portfolio evolved over over the years? When I first started, I was doing a lot of weddings. And now I am trying to actually transition to just more portraits and studio work. I also do a lot of video, but I just recently started doing in-studio work. And now I have a leased studio space here locally. That'll be nice to be able to just work out of that a lot instead of doing the full weddings. So, Russell, you've built a career as a musician, but you're also a producer, associate producer, an engineer, and a mixer. Did I miss anything? No, let's just say that's... Okay. That covers everything. Production manager sometimes for live events. So, how'd you go from being a musician to being a behind-the-scenes producing and sound engineering? They were really simultaneous almost the whole time. From the very beginning of when I started to be interested in playing music I wanted to hear myself recorded so I we had various tape recorders in the house that I would record on and then I would hit play and rig up a microphone to basically figuring out how to do overdubs when I what didn't even know what that was yet 
so I could play along with myself. And then in my high school band, Paste, it was three of us, and we'd all done ourselves with a four-track recorder. And all of us built up skills in everything from drum programming to, to recording to mixing to mastering. We did the whole thing ourselves. And then in college, same thing. I was simultaneously a music major, but also sound and, and music technology. So when I moved out to Los Angeles, my goal was not so much, oh, I'm going to make it as a rock musician and my fallback will be an audio engineer or producer. They really were just tied into each other simultaneously. So a previous project you've been involved with is a band called The Title Trackers. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that was and the influences that were brought that kind of project around? Yeah, it was me and a couple friends who played in other bands together, and we just had this running joke about how there are albums that there's no song, there's no title track. The name of the album does not have a song that is the same as that name, and so we would make them up just to entertain ourselves, and eventually we decided this is a good idea, we should do this, so... Um, so we did 10 tracks, uh, and in terms of who sang what song um, and who wrote them, it was whoever we gravitated the most towards. I'm not the biggest Rolling Stones guy in the world, for example. My, my bandmate Dave kind of tackled the Rolling Stones one, but I am a, a huge Tom Petty fan. So that one, we did Full Moon Fever, and that's the the album with Free Fallen on it and all that. And so I co-wrote, but, you know, got that one started, and I'm the one who ended up singing it. You know, it's funny, because people have told me for a long time, oh, you sound like Tom Petty, you sound like Tom Petty. But if I just stepped up to the mic and sang it in my own voice, it's not even close. So it still required a lot of vocal flexibility and, and mannerism to even come halfway to that, that tone that he has. And listen, I take it as a compliment, of course, but I can't say I necessarily hear it right away, but other people do, and it worked out in that case, certainly. We started chatting during the summer, and you're in London recently, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so? A month and a half, yeah. A month and a half ago, because you were recording or working at uh, Abbey Road Studios, which is considered one of the most famous recording studios in the world. It rec- it's recorded everything from the Beatles to Ella Fitzgerald. So can you talk about that experience, what, was, what it was like to be making music in this incredibly historic location as an engineer. Yeah, the first thing when you walk up the stairs is there's a plaque saying what the first thing that was ever recorded there was, and it was actually the first person was Elgar, the composer Elgar, and that's one of your favorite Mm -hmm. cello composers, right? Yep. So that was an interesting tie-in. But yeah, listen, we were right there in Studio 2 for four days. I went with David Pack. He's the uh, founder and singer of Ambrosia. When I first moved to L.A., he's someone who took me under his wing, and we've been working together for a long time since then. We were recording some orchestral suites that he wrote and some stuff for a solo album that I've been engineering in the last few years. And there we were in Studio 2, where the Beatles did most of their work with Alan Parsons Engineering, who, you know, was there since the beginning practically with the Beatles and with Abbey Road. He was a staff engineer, and he was on the roof when the Beatles played that show. Alan was there, and he was... He was there with us, and I've done some production, live production managing and stage managing for him. So it was a cool experience to, to be right there where it all happened. And I'll say, and this doesn't happen very often, I was yesterday years old when I, can I swear or not? Yes, you can. When I fucking met Paul McCartney <laughs> yesterday. I shook Paul McCartney's hand. It all came full circle. I was at a rehearsal with David and Alan at Center Staging there in Burbank for a show that I'm working tomorrow, a big charity event for firefighters in Santa Barbara. And we heard that Paul was rehearsing next door. 
<laughs> and sure enough, he was. So I got a quick hello. And so that was pretty cool. But yeah, being there was, especially because it doesn't, you look at old pictures and videos, and not a lot has changed visually in the rooms there at Abbey Road. So it was neat. And then we actually went to Liverpool for a couple of days after that and just a little more Beatles immersion there. And it's a cool town. In addition to being at Abbey Road over the summer, you actually work at summer camps as well. You work That's for, right. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Because you work for, it was a Bieber camp in Wisconsin and then Camp Ben Frankel in Illinois. Yeah. So Bieber camp, I've, I've just had my 19th summer working there and I created the, the music department there basically. And it went from just me to me and one other staff member to this year we had seven music specialists, ages 18 to 22, basically, from all around the world. Israel, Argentina, Dominican Republic, England. So it's really cool to have that kind of diversity and talent and to work with kids. To and these, This is not a music camp. It's an all-purpose camp. It's archery. It's arts and crafts. It's just that we do the music portion of it. So yeah, you do get some prodigies, some incredible people. A camper at our camp, she's Beyonce's piano player right now on her tour. But mostly it's just campers who've never touched a guitar before, never touched a piano, and sign up for rock band, sign up for recording studio, and just want to do it. And it's very gratifying to do that. And also some of these campers who were 10, 11, 12, well now they're 22, 23, 24, and they play with us. We just went out on a tour next doors out on, in the Midwest. And a, a camper I knew from when he was 12 years old, he played percussion with us at our show in Chicago. And we had any number of, of things like that where people join us, record with us. And on our record, there's a song called Hard to Be Mad. And the harmony vocals are sung by a, a great artist who's uh, here in town, Brett Frompson, who I knew from when he was 14 years old at summer camp. So it's pretty neat. As for Camp Ben Frankel, that's directed by the guy who actually used to work at Bieber as the assistant director and brought me in. So he saw what I did over there and, of course, hoped that I could come out and do some special programming at that camp as well. It's neat to see and work with completely different campers and different sized camps and, and just uh, different cultures. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you during the course of this the podcast, which was to talk to you about the song All Right Here, which has become, because of this wonderful collaboration, you guys were so generous to share the song with me. And I use it throughout the show. So I, it's funny because I was listening to it on the way here and I almost never listen to the words because it's I have the instrumental version. Right. So I'm always listening to that over and over again. I'm like, oh yeah, there are words to the <laughs> yeah. song as well. But I want to talk to you about where that song came from because I believe that there's a connection to the camps as well. There is. And in fact, if you heard the original version, you would hear words, but you probably wouldn't understand them unless you speak Hebrew. Do you? I do not. Okay. So yeah. So the, that song in, in 2020, summer camps mostly didn't run. But I worked at Camp Ben Frankel virtually all summer. We did virtual summer camp full on. So we were songwriting. We were recording studio over Zoom. It was really, it was very cathartic. It was nice to be able to do that. And I wanted to surprise my, my friend, Aaron, who, who runs the camp. So there was a gal there from Israel, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to just co-write a song in Hebrew, which I, I am Jewish and I can read Hebrew, but I'm not great at understanding it, but I can, whatever, I'm okay. But I thought it would be fun to co-write with her something as a surprise for him. We did. We started collaborating and she wrote lyrics and I would throw her ideas and I wrote the music and she would throw me ideas. And we ended up with basically, I think every songwriter sort of has their COVID song. And this is that one. Basically, the idea was even though we're all different points in the globe on a Zoom screen, we're all together. 
And then I sung it in Hebrew. And and then when we started making our record, I'm like, well, that'll fit our vibe perfectly. So I, I translated it and I, I asked Appa um, out in Israel, Does this, did I butcher this? And she's no, that's that's perfect. So we used a lot of the original recording and we layered it up with cellos and I, and I re-sang it. And there you have it. And it came out really far better than anything I, I was expecting going in, certainly. Music has always been a part of your lives, and you've talked about that on this podcast. And you've played together since you were together, essentially. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. You were famously played at your own wedding. <laughs> we did, yes. We, we got up on stage, and Mika put a, a leather jacket over her wedding dress and picked up the bass, which is... This was the reception, not exactly during the ceremony, but yes. The reception, <laughs> that's right. And did a few songs that were influences on each of us, including a Prince song, of course, because she is from Minneapolis after all. <laughs> so can you share how the Next Doors came about to formalize the group? Because the name of the group actually has a funny story as well. That's right. We used to live in Silver Lake, both of us separately, and that's where we met. And we just thought it would be funny, both of us reading the ridiculous posts on nextdoor.com that, hey, we should write some songs about these posts. They just really make you roll your eyes, some of them. So Yeah, yeah I was full on Silver Lake. Is, yeah. the, is this cheese organic <laughs> enough? Or, it was absurd <laughs> stuff, just absurd. So we had that in mind. We decided on the name. And then it just sat yeah, and we never did form our duo, but then no. COVID hit, and it's, hey, this is a good time to... But then we just ended up making a, a, quote, regular album. And then right before we were ready to say the album is done, we realized we should do one song. We should do one that has the original intent. So that's why we wrote and recorded An Honest Mechanic Gone Bad, which is uh, based on a Pasadena next door posts about someone talking about uh, how sad it is that their their once inexpensive and honest auto mechanic has in their view become corrupt <laughs> and and it's not on the album digitally but it is on the CD and it's, it is on Bandcamp so that was, we did bring it full circle for the last track on the album so what attracted you to Pasadena and how different is it from living in Silver Lake as I mentioned, we both lived in Silver Lake, but at some point our leases were up and it was that point in our relationship where we thought, oh, maybe we should move in together. So we started looking for a place big enough to have a recording studio. Maybe I'd even have a photo room. Who knows? And we just kept looking east. I know we both loved Pasadena for sure. It's just had has so much going on, feels urban. It's just what a great community. So we started looking throughout Pasadena. And when we drove up to this house, there were peacocks in the front yard. And we thought, wow, that'd be pretty cool. And I'd actually lived in Pasadena briefly a while back with my bandmate while I was between places. And it has just such a, it's got a great vibe. It's near the city if you have to go there. And in fact, it was a lot closer to my title tracker bandmates who live in Pasadena and then Monrovia. There was a lot of pluses and also the fact that we don't walk out of our doors to just incredibly expensive, unnecessary <laughs> smoothies and coffees and restaurants that you spend all your money at. So it, it is a little bit more economical out here <laughs> as well <laughs> and less tempting, at least in our little enclave here on East Pasadena. Yeah, I was going to say, because an Erewhon just opened on South Lake. Mm. So yeah, we've... we've <laughs> It's coming full circle in a way. But yeah, East Pasadena is a little bit different than South Lake, yeah. Old, Old Pass. Yeah. 
Exactly. If I, I would be lying if I said that the restaurant that we eat at the most often was not the Taco Bell across the street from the, <laughs> the house. But obviously, it's a great culinary scene in Pasadena in general. It's just convenience definitely does take us there more often than not. In March of 2022, you released a seven-track album called Linda Vista, which actually is eight tracks then because of the special homage to the original Next Door's concept. And we did reach out to the guy who, whose post that was, and he never got back to us. So that's why I figured if something strange happens, at least it won't be on Spotify and we have to pull it if the guy suddenly writes back and he's, what have you done? Oh. He's out there, though. He's out there. Not going to say his name, but you can search, I'm sure, and find the post. So before we discuss the music, can you talk about the name of the album? Because it's not a reference to Linda Vista. It's actually, more importantly, is a reference to your late sister, Linda, who passed away in 2020. Yeah, that's right. So she's always been one of my biggest supporters and fans. I could always consistently, if we put up any band I've been in, you put up a social media post or whatever, she's one of the very first people to, to hit. And so, yeah, we lost her in 2020 just as we were starting to record for this project. So when the whole thing was done, we were trying to think of what to call the album and whether it would have a title track, obviously, was on my mind. And it just it just popped into my head that might be nice to include her name in it. And it also has that, it means beautiful view, which is what we see every day outside of our window. And there's a neighborhood called Linda Vista. And it all just seemed to work out then when we took our band photos, which Mika took, she does basically everything. Even when she's in the picture, even when she's in the video, it's still her doing the photography <laughs> in the somehow, some way. And actually, if you look at our album cover, it appears that I have a guitar pick in my hand, but it's actually a remote control for the <laughs> camera. And so I was, she was like, okay, now. <laughs> and we surrounded the, the photo with my sister's drawings. Uh, she was an entomologist, so she did these field journals where she would go on sabbatical to someplace and, and go out and draw the insects and stuff like that, the flowers. So that's what, on the cover of the record. So was there a song that was especially written for Linda? Or um, was just the whole album was inspired by her? There wasn't a song that we wrote, but there is a song that we wanted to do something special on her birthday, the first birthday after she had passed. And one of her favorite songs, and one of my favorite songs, is Strangers by the Kinks. So we decided we'd set up some cameras in our living room and just do a live performance of that song. So we rearranged it and put cello on it. And, and again, even though there's actually moving cameras, it was still Mika who had... A motorized slider going back and forth, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we just filmed that and just put it out. This was before we had any Nextdoor's accounts or anything like that. It was just really just a personal thing. And then when we were making the record, we were like, well, even though it was just like a live throwdown in the living room, that was pretty good. So we went with that and then added on top of it. We overdubbed percussion and tubas and stuff like that and put it on the record. When I was driving over here, I was listening to the song Awaken. Yeah. And there's a line that says, dreams that ain't never coming. Do you think that Los Angeles is that place where dreams can't come true? <laughs> wow, that would be terrible news for millions of people across the globe who've been coming here for a century. So you should all go home. Sorry. LA is clo actually LA is closed right now. <laughs> but not for music. So that's the important thing. 
No, I think that we both came here, along with millions of other people, to pursue dreams. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's more just getting away from whatever it is that's stopping you from doing what you want to be doing and, and moving towards something else. And the whole inspiration for the song was it actually, the melody, the arrangement, all that came to me in a dream. And back to Tom Petty, it was Tom Petty in my dream who leaned into my ear and said, do you want to hear my new song, man? And I was like, yeah, we were at a family barbecue. <laughs> and him and the Heartbreakers got up there and they played this song. And I remembered it. It's the only time it's ever happened. I remembered the melody. And I didn't, the lyrics were tongue in cheek and goofy and I couldn't quite remember them. So I just rewrote lyrics that seemed to have the right, I don't know, feeling and emotions. So that's what that became. And we've been meaning to do a music video for it. That's right. And we've been filming it now over the past, I don't know, couple months, year there. But we've hit some locations. We've hit a really nice abandoned parking lot that we had to sneak in. I don't think we were allowed to be there, but it worked out. Out in uh, Glendora. Out in Glendora. That's right. Glendora train tracks. Yep, yep. Also not allowed to be there. Actually, I think that one is not working. It was not in service, so it's probably okay. Yeah, it's the foothill extension right now, so it's, you're not going to get run over anyway. That's right. And yeah. then one of the photos that we've been using for press was taken at another abandoned, we like abandoned things, an abandoned home in, I don't know, is that considered... Sierra Madre? Arcadia, Arcadia, Sierra Madre. It's up in the uh, I don't know, but it's pretty cool. So we just planted some chairs and cameras around and filmed there. Nobody bothered us. We filmed at the Arcadia Gold Line station, which you, yep. you're not supposed to do, and the Arboretum, you're definitely not supposed to. That's anyway, right. it's been a lot of that. <laughs> um, but it's filmed all around our area here, including Rosemead boulevard here by our house and and there's a couple little nods to mr petty in there as well and so we're going to put it out on his birthday october 20th should i say that we're going to share the the video because you just described all the places that you should have not been (laughs) recording the video so i'm like we'll take a chance we'll take a chance yeah, bring it on, L.A. Department. That's right. And the Arboretum <laughs> wants us to renew our membership right now. So if they know how to play their cards, That's right. they will not That's take right. action against us. So you've described your music as Americana. So how would you define Americana? The thing about Americana is it just fits almost anything. We knew that we weren't really rock and roll. So Americana just seemed to fit well with an acoustic cello. Yeah, folk sounded dull. And and we actually, we did a radio campaign when we put out the record. And they were like, oh, what's your genre? And we were like, I don't know, isn't that your job (laughs) to tell us? And they're like, oh, in that case, Americana. And we're like, great, all right. All right. (laughs) Done. That's one thing we don't have to think about. That's awesome. Yeah. Even though you have a kind of a classic sound and you have a kind of classical music background, uh, you've done some interesting collaborations uh, it's funny enough that you're wearing Loki's Folly shirt <laughs> as we record this episode. Uh, during the summer, you did a, a, a joint show with them, which if you don't know them, they're an electric punk band led by teenagers. And I was actually playing their song, The Little Mermaid, to my mm. daughters, which I actually I really like that song. So how did these kind of shows come together and how did you find Loki's Folly? Actually, I filmed that video. Did you really? Yes, I I did. And I produced the song. (laughs) And he produced the song. (laughs) But no, it actually came together because they're my cousin's kids. Oh, really? Yeah. And we have been there throughout their beginnings. Actually, before they were even formed, we played a little house concert with them, just trying to encourage them to play music because they had just started. 
And so we've been watching them develop, and wow, did they take off. Yeah, they they're, have billboards on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Do they really? Oh, yes, they they're have, doing they extremely well. <laughs> so anyways, we just thought, oh, actually, you came up with the idea of Bad Pair. Yeah, we figured, well, we, we want to play Minneapolis, and they're our cousins, and they're in a bit, we, let's play together. So I'm like, yeah, we'll just emphasize that it's a ridiculous double bill. <laughs> like, it, that makes no sense whatsoever. So we called it Bad Pair. And we learned uh, one of their songs and covered it in our style. They learned one of ours and Awaken and covered it in their style. And um, But, you know, as for how they come together, you just it, it's always nice to just tie in other other bands to, to create something. It's easy enough, yes, to just play your own show. And then some random band comes on next that or whoever, and everybody has their 40-minute slot. But it's one of those things that just having played for so long, I'm just very done with. I'll be happy if there's just never another 40-minute slot between two bands that we don't know again. So it's like you got to just create your own thing. I've been doing it since I started my first band in L.A., just putting together this, these full nights ourselves, because why not? There's no downside to it. You just get more of a community going and you meet more people. We're just trying to, to do that wherever we can. And the fun thing is, music is music. There, there's also always something about the song. What is the song about? Where did, how did it develop? And throughout this show with them, we would just alternate back, and then there's a little dialogue about what the song was about. And we found there were a lot of similarities in different songs. It was neat weaving in in between our styles of music. All of us were on stage the whole time. Yeah, and alternating. Yeah, it was fun. That would have been really fun to be at. Yeah. So another collaboration that you did was uh, for Neighbor Day which was, uh, I think, earlier this year. And you actually had, this is at the Wild Parrot Brewing Company right. on Colorado. Mm-hmm. And you were actually included in, in like a skit announcement from the mayor <laughs> and vice mayor, which was, <laughs> honestly, it was very awkward them doing it. But it was very cool that you were mentioned. So how did that kind of all happen as well? We got a message on Instagram a while back from the editor of the Pasadena Weekly. And she said, hey, thank you. I noticed that you guys like a lot of what I do and stuff like that. That's really nice. Checked you guys out and would love to interview you at some point. So we're like, that's cool. So she did that. And then much to our surprise, she said, okay, you're going to be out in the Arroyo magazine and the weekly. And we, we picked up a copy of the Arroyo and we weren't there. And we're like, it's no big deal. It's not. And then I looked at the, LA, at the Pasadena Weekly and we were literally on the cover. And like, okay. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. And it hyped up this neighbor day. We've been waiting to go to the Wild Parrot. They've had signs up for years. They had signs up coming soon. So we went there uh, on the soft opening day, and it was just a great vibe and a cool place and cool people. And so we asked them, like, do you do music? And they said, we haven't yet, but we can. So we said, we haven't really played out all that much yet, not publicly, because it was still the tail end of COVID. So they said, let's do it. So we decided that we should call it Neighbor Day and make it a community event as much as we could. And then when we ended up on the cover of the weekly, <laughs> we decided to, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to have some fun with this? So we decided that we should make our goal for that week to to meet the mayor of Pasadena. Because look at, clearly we're serious celebrities around here. And so we started an Instagram thing. And, and John over at the Wild Parrot did a video with us and got into it. And long story short, it worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we played the show and it was just crazy packed. And the mayor and the vice mayor and the chief of police and fire, all of them were out there. 
and the mayor introduced us. It was pretty wild, though, seeing the mayor's uh, video. I mean, they went to a lot of trouble to make that video. It was staged so well, different angles, different people. Yeah, that was so, so great. Fun. We were in the middle of a rehearsal, and when I quickly checked Instagram, I'm like, uh, <laughs> come here a minute, check this out. <laughs> Definitely surreal. So one of the goals of this show, and it's evolved over time. So I started this at the in the fall of 2020, so right when everyone was in lockdown. Yeah. And the show's evolved over time. But one thing that I'm trying to stress going forward is how all my guests make their own communities. And music is so unique in that it brings people together. So what community have you found in Pasadena with the next doors? I think we found people waiting for a community that they didn't feel like was there. Uh, at that show, we had so many people who were like, there should be more stuff like this. And we met some people at Neighbor Day who just heard about it and came out who have now joined us on stage um, at different shows. In fact, I think we started a tradition now. I think because we are we officially named that day Neighbor Day, now they're going to do it again at the Wild Parrot. That's right. So that'll be in January, mid-January. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. But yeah, it's just been fun to previous bands of ours were not necessarily special guest friendly. The title trackers was a very staged production kind of thing. You wouldn't have, oh, you should join us for a song. Didn't come up. It's great to be in this type of band where it's, yeah, why don't you join us for a song? So we've met all these people from all over and we, we reach out to people. We had a, we played in our front yard here in East Pasadena and we put flyers around the neighborhood and we, there's a band down the street that we always heard rehearsing coming out of the garage. And so we r ran into them one day and we're like, hey, you guys sound great. You want to play with us? in the front yard here they're like yeah absolutely and tons of our neighbors came out and they, yeah. they all said this used to happen all the time this type of thing and it doesn't anymore we feel like it doesn't and this is what the community needs yeah one fun thing that has come out of trying to reach out to the community and actually having the mayor and his office engaged with us a little bit is that we decided it'd be fun to write a and record a theme song for someone like to use on Instagram like a local business yeah so we posted on Instagram saying you know if anybody would be interested in this we'd love to just you know try our hand at that it would be just a fun that's just a fun project and the and the mayor's office re-instagrammed it reposted it and and we did we are doing it we've already written a song and it's almost done for Stepping Stone which is a tutoring an after school tutoring program that happens uh, here in San Marino um so, and it's good. It came out great. It's really yeah. fun. Um, so we're going to go have some of the kids sing backing vocals and, and film it and stuff like that. But um, that's just like a neat community thing that has come out of things like Neighbor Day. I was thinking about venues in Pasadena, and there aren't really any kind of small live music venues here. Right. Yeah. So when we wanted to do a show, we played the Eclectic Fest in South Pasadena, and then we wanted to have a show to promote. And I thought, you know, I don't want to, again, I don't want to do a 40-minute slot at the, the Old Town Pub as much as I love it. So we we called up Mr. Pasadena, Michael Calderon, and we said, hey, you're a guy who thinks outside of the box and knows everything about this town. What would be a cool place for us to play? That's right. So what he suggested was actually a co-work location called the Founder Space. But the cool thing is they actually built a stage. They have really nice colored lighting they've got a bar inside they have a lounge it's like a lounge feel it's really made for entertainment it seems so we had a show there and we had met this guy Yi Cheng at the Eclectic Fest who 
runs a charity that helps connect disabled individuals with pets. And so we said, why don't we just make it a fundraiser for your thing? So he joined us, and then we thought we should have a special musical guest. If you've lived here for any period of time, you've seen the name Cole Gallagher listed at every venue for years. So we are like, all right, it's time to just, we're just going to, we'll just hit him up. And he was like, yeah, sounds great. I know who he is and Michael Calderon and uh, count me in. So he came out and joined us for some songs. And yeah, it just seems to be the way to do things is to just to put things together in a creative way that's not just the same old and involve involve people in the community and make things win-wins. Russell, with High Wheel Entertainment, which is your company, yeah, what are you working on next? I'm working with a couple artists on their records right now. One who's actually out in New York and another sort of COVID story. I co-produced his first record um, without ever having met him. And then we were out in New York playing some next door shows and we, we did get to hang out and, and whatnot. And we're going we're gonna to try and get together in person a little more on this next record um, called Eating Club. That's the name of the, that band. Uh, and just, yeah, carrying on working with a lot of the, the clients that I've worked for years. It's nice to have just a loyal base of people who, when they want to make a record, they come to me. That's always nice. Tomorrow, which is now three weeks ago, by the time you listen to this, I'm, I am helping to stage manage, production manage at a big benefit concert up in Santa Barbara. So, yeah, there's, it's always pretty busy, which is nice. And then, Mika, you, you just opened up your studio. You mentioned that earlier. That's right. So now I have a local studio. So I'll be basically serving the community, hopefully, with photo, video needs, portraits, headshots, small business promos, brandings, all that kind of stuff. When you think about the next year, the next five years, and even beyond, what are your plans for the next doors? Most immediately, we are going to be at a pop-up flea market up here at the Crown Theater on Rosemead, <laughs> hawking our wares. That will already have happened. I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, but it, it was really fun, I'm sure. And then we, yeah, the, the, the next Neighbor Day over with the Wild Parrot folks. Sometime mid-January. Yep. And when it comes to, the good thing about this is that we, we can afford not to think too much about the future and take things as they come. We don't have to worry about when are we going to be able to get together to rehearse Obviously, we're married. It's just we, so we are gonna make a new record. Yep, with no particular timetable involved. Maybe another song about a next door post. Another yes, <laughs> for sure. So we're keeping our eye peeled on next door, Pasadena community. The more ridiculous your posts are, the more likely that we will turn it into a song. And we had a great time touring out in the Midwest and the East Coast, and so we would definitely like to do that again sometime soon. I'm on next door as well, and for some reason my my settings change, so I get notifications whenever they drop, and it's driving me crazy. There's yeah, there's never a lack of insane posts about stuff in Pasadena or anywhere else in general. That's right. There's a lot of material there. Yeah. So this is my last final fun question, which is: <laughs> if you could design a perfect day in Pasadena, from breakfast to late night, what would you do? Where would you go? And what would you eat and drink? Aside from the Taco Bell that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We can come up with something that mean? doesn't involve a Taco Bell, I <laughs> All think. right, maybe, okay, I'll take that back. You can use Taco Bell, or you can go to Taco Bell if you want to. Okay, so wait, now we... And time a, is no constraint, location is no constraint. <laughs> time is no... Well, we yeah, can I mean... fit in a lot. You can then. fit in a lot. Oh, okay. yeah. 
So right. for breakfast, we keep passing this. Like, I'm gonna look up. I'm looking it up as we speak. The name of it. We keep passing this chocolate croissant place that just opened up on Colorado that has a line out the door every time there's, we pass by it. There's so many we, bakeries that just But we don't up. like lines, so we haven't been there. But we are planning, I think this but might if, be it. Is it C-A-R Artisan Chocolate? It might yes. be that. Okay. Yeah, it's near the old, it's not really old, but it's near the, the movie theater. Okay. Yes. It's on that same block, I think. Exactly. So It's um, pretty good. Yeah, we want to just check that out one of these days when it's not that. And then my mom keeps saying, who lives in Pasadena, that she wants to try it as well. So, fine. We'll put her into the perfect day. We'll go get the croissants and the coffee, and we'll bring her one. Something we really enjoy doing is just, when we have time, is just looking at Nextdoor and Craigslist and all that and finding... Yard sales. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that just around around the neighborhoods. That's always a relaxing way to spend a morning. Yep. Buy stuff we don't need. So it takes up more space in the house. <laughs> So there's more instruments sitting out when they should be in cases because we don't have room for the cases anymore. That kind of thing. But that brings us to lunch. Yeah, did we wrote down some I ideas. I don't remember about lunch. Gosh, I don't think we... I don't think we came up with a lunch thing. Maybe some... I guess it's Taco Bell. Yeah, so we're going to stick with <laughs> Taco Bell. You know what? Or we can upgrade and say margaritas across okay, the rose made from us. All right, a, that's fine. fantastic Pasadena tradition. Sure. And then I think we'd be remiss if we didn't go for a little early happy hour at the Wild Parrot when it opens in the mid-afternoon and, and spend a little time there. Yep. So something else that we really started doing over COVID, two things. One is that we would just pick a neighborhood towards sunset and just walk around. So to carry on with the illegal theme, maybe the <laughs> our favorite one is Pasadena Glen, which I believe is private. There's signs saying that you can't. Just. But it's so pretty. <laughs> so it's so, so fun to walk around. Yeah. So we illegally walk around Pasadena <laughs> Glen. That's a good thing to do. Another tradition we started, which we still do now, is go out before sundown, sit outside in the front yard where we can see the peacocks walking around and have a nice happy hour beverage and then I guess watch them roost. So we have our own peacocks that live in our trees and we have names for them because we recognize the way they enter the tree. And it's always nice to see them go to bed. Yep. And over COVID, that was when we saw people. We would just wave from wave from the front yard, <laughs> at least with people walking their dogs or whatnot. And then dinner, maybe we would keep it simple. If we just want to walk, go down to Nikki C's here on Rosemead, which is one of the better Italian places in Pasadena and just a cool place and a great vibe. And then after dinner, we would probably go to the Pasadena Playhouse We where we have membership. That's right, Mika. For my birthday, she got a season tickets last uh, year, and we'll see if that happens again mm. this year or not. <laughs> but that's always fun. And then you said late nights. Might as well. Yeah, but that's right. So if Monopole, that wine bar by the Pasadena Playhouse, is still open afterwards after a play, then great. Maybe stop in there for one. Otherwise, head up to T Boyles, where we've been going for a long time, well over a decade. And in fact, used to play shows there back when they had a stage, which they sadly don't anymore. But let's all encourage them to get their stage back because that was actually a great centrally located yeah. Pasadena venue back when they had music there. Then we would go to sleep. After a long <laughs> day of eating and drinking and watching peacocks, are the peacocks, so are they there every night? Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day, every night. Every night. 
and that is actually an artist rendering of, oh, of yes. one of them who <laughs> we found out is called Lonesome Joe. Lonesome so, Joe. Yep. He's missing right now. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah, yeah, but we, he'll be back. But he's on the back cover of our CD. And, yeah. And on our shirts and merch and all that good stuff. As we close out our conversation, I wanted to thank you for creating and sharing your music with us, for developing a fun and unique East Pasadena sound, and for coming on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun, and thanks for coming to us here in East Pasadena. Absolutely. Not too far away. My many thanks to Mika and Russell for coming on the show. On October 20th, Tom Petty's birthday, Mika and Russell released the music video that they teased in the episode for their song, Awaken. In just a couple of days, it has become their most watched video, and there's a reason. Mika and Russell are authentically East Pasadena. From playing in their front yards to naming the peacocks living in their trees, they have carved out a sound that is uniquely them, and I love it. For more information about Mika's work, check out MikaLarsonPhotography.com and WeddingsByMika.com. For Russell's production company, you can find it at HighWheelEntertainment.com. And for the latest from the Next Doors, please follow them on social media and YouTube and at NextDoorsMusic.com. There are so many people that keep the show going. I wanted to thank my Patreon sponsors. I really appreciate your continued support. Second, to my wife for being so patient and understanding, even if she will never hear this. And to all that listen, thank you. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show, or supporting it through direct underwriting or Patreon. This is the only podcast that has never been supported by BetterHelp, Game Day Tickets, Nectar Mattress, Athletic Greens, or HelloFresh. But if Huckberry or L.L. Bean are interested, please let me know. Or love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at the com and follow me on Instagram. Until next time, please remember to stay well. We're like family. And as always, I will see you around town. No. Why don't you like podcasts? Because they are boring.